Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hello, everybody, and I'm very excited to bring episode 12 to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thanks again for listening and sharing the link with your friends. It's really the only way we're growing this thing, and it's exciting to see the number of downloads go up. And so once again, thanks. We really appreciate it. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun with episode 12. I'd even go so far as to say it's going to be a bit magical. Our guest is Gene Urban, who has recently retired from the real estate industry after, Gene, how many years were you in the business? 14. 14 years in, in real estate. He's already out. We'll still explain that to you. Gene was part of the Urban team in Phoenix with his brother, Ron. It's still up and running. Ron's still taking care of that. Gene was also an early adopter of the social digital strategies and, and really ran a very successful blog. And we're going to discuss that for sure. Uh, it was Urban Team. It still is UrbanTeamAZ.com. But, but beyond real estate, Gene's also an amazing magician. So in over 25 years in the business professionally, he's done over 10,000 shows, 17 countries. I mean, he's the real deal. And I've had the pleasure of watching him perform and and always enjoyed every opportunity I had where I could set him up to freak out another friend <laughs> with his close-up magic. So, Gene, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, my first question, pretty pretty straightforward, since I'm sitting here and it's almost 100 degrees here in October. Uh, how rough is the retired life in Santa Barbara? It's really rough. You know, I had to walk on the coast, look at the ocean. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Yeah, and, and post pictures to Facebook on a daily basis to remind us in Arizona. Yeah, my brother threatened to unfriend me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I like that. Good. When I say retired, you're retired from real estate, but you've got some other things you're doing, correct? Correct. I'm retired from you know transactional real estate. I am have always been a big proponent of SEO and websites. I picked up a a short-term job for two months in Thailand. Uh, we for Thailand in nine days to do the SEO side of a WordPress conversion. That's pretty darned exciting. That is, so your wife's going with you? You're going to have the two months together there? Yes, she's going to get her, I think they call it TESOL, uh, or TESOL. It's a Teach English Abroad certification so that perhaps we can do more travel in the future and she'll actually be able to work. So that's great. So I guess it's, like you said, you're not really hanging everything up. Just that, like you said, that little piece of real estate. So the way I like to run these podcasts is I just want to find out more about you. I've known you probably, I'm thinking six or seven, maybe eight years, you know, since so we in the Phoenix real estate, you know, angle of things. And, and I didn't really know quite your background. I knew you were this amazing magician, but I, I didn't know how it started. So let's go back to the beginning for me. First of all, did you grow up in California? I did. I grew up in San Diego. Okay. Uh, as I believe you did. I did. Absolutely. Yeah. What and high school then, did you go to? I went to Crawford. Oh, that's where my mom went. That's right. Okay. So that's that yeah, is a small I played water polo. That was my big thing. Okay. Made All-American. We won CIF championships for two years. So then is that what brought you to UC Santa Barbara? Did you play water polo there as well? I tried. <laughs> you, you come out of high school with all these accolades, All-American, first team at all CIF, all these things, and you think you're pretty good until you get to collegiate level. And the people that came out of, especially out of the Los Angeles water polo programs, they were huge and tough. I had some friends who played water polo in high school, and I don't think people realize 
it's just not the stamina part of you know, of treading water for these incredible lengths of time, but just the sheer punishment you take underneath the water that nobody knows about, right? Right. Yeah, we <laughs> had a game against USC, and I think we came out of the uh, game, both JV and varsity, with 117 stitches. Is it just sharp toenails? Do you sharpen them or something? Uh, elbows. Okay. Uh, a lot of elbows. Lot of, yeah, that's a big strike. Yep. <laughs> All right. So you uh, you graduate from UC Santa Barbara. What kind of a degree did you have, and what what were you looking to do after you got out of school? Yeah, I was in their early program in environmental studies. Uh, my take on it was energy policy, city planning policy, transportation management policy were the areas that I liked the most. And as it would happen, Prop 13 hit California. It froze all the jobs in every field that I could go into. Those not from California, let's talk about Prop 13 for a minute. I, was, I think I was just going into college right when it uh, hit, and it basically froze anyone who owned real property. Their property taxes were basically kind of frozen right there, and they could not have these increases, which of course funds just about every state's education. And so right. it really put a huge hit on a whole lot of things. People that bought after Prop 13, theirs were at a different level. But if you owned property before, it froze them. And that, that was kind of an amazing piece of legislation that did a lot of weird things. Yeah, still freezes them. As I understand, it just gets reset when you sell. Did that, that kind of forced a little change in your plans? Uh, pretty big changes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, what do I do now? Gotcha. I ended up uh, working for an energy management company as a manufacturer's rep. They were making some energy components uh, for managing energy at the uh, industrial and small business level. And then at night, I, I performed. Uh, I got to be a magic bartender, which was really fun. So I kept up both sides of that. I always had a sales job. I think I had my first sales job was as a fuller brushman in high school. Wow. So I'd always been in sales and just kept it up. So by day I did corporate work. I ended up moving over to the ad agency side of the world. Um, that came on a little bit later yeah. and kept magic going the whole time. It, it seems to me that all magicians have this sense of salesmanship in them. If you're going to be successful at that at that craft, you got to sell a lot. Am I right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're you're trying to convince people that reality does not exist. <laughs> that what they think is real is not. And if you can't do that effectively as a magician, you turn the performance into a puzzle versus entertainment. And so that uh, do you do you think those skills that you had when because you're 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 a close up mag a magician. You're you sit there with a, two or three people and just you know, and just blow their minds. That has to cross over into the sales side of things, right? It does. I think you learn how to talk to people. You learn how to look, how to listen. Magic, if you don't listen and watch your audience, you're going to blow right through them and they're going to miss what you do. And I think, uh, I think one of your former uh, interviewees uh, talked about how important listening was. And that's true. In real estate, it's true in magic, it's pretty true in life. Yeah, I like that a lot. Your career as a magician evolved into where you were actually, like I mentioned in the, the intro, you're traveling around the world uh, on corporate assignments, and you also brought about this motivational, or if you want to call it empowerment twist to it, right, that uh, helped, helped the company not only get some entertainment out of what you did, 
but maybe open the employee's eyes into a different way of thinking about their their jobs. Is that is that pretty true? It's very true. Kind of started when I was a bartender. So I'm doing magic behind the bar, and I quickly realized that if I made the guy who was usually paying the bill look good in front of his date, he tipped better. <laughs> nice. So I would empower him. I'd let him be the star of the set that I was doing. And that moved forward, uh, like you said, I, I got into the corporate end. When I was working in this ad agency, one of our clients was launching a new product that had a mystical sort of uh, brand to it. And I suggested that they take me to their product launch slash trade show and perform at it. And they thought it was a good idea. And that changed my whole career because I got there, I did this, and I went, wow, this is magic. It's marketing. It's branding. It's everything I love. All like in one little package. So I quit my job and went on to uh, to work as a trade show magician for uh, Lucent Technology. It was my biggest client. I did work for Johnson & Johnson, Black & Decker, a couple Arizona local firms uh, down in your neck of the woods is Access Technology. That became my career for about 12 years. Does that take us up to the time then when you decide to kind of venture in? Now, in the salesman side of you says, what's this real estate thing? What's going on here? Was that right about in the late 90s, early 2000s then? Is that time for time? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was actually uh, 2001. I was starting to wind down on the trade show side a little bit, mainly because the tech sector was, the bubble had burst. The gigs were getting a little harder to find. And after I was working 200, 225 days a year, and I was kind of in burnout. And about that time, 9-11 hit. And I went into 9-11 with 200 days booked coming up into the next year. And by October, I had five left. Wow. It's like, whoa. And as it would happen, my brother had just moved to the Phoenix area from Las Vegas, where he had been a, a realtor up there, got his broker's license, had gone to work, and didn't know anyone. I knew a lot of people and thought, hmm, I'll call Ron. So I called him, and he literally dropped the phone when I said, hey, Ron, do you want a partner? So we talked a bit, and he thought that would be a great idea. So I said, yeah, I'll take over your marketing and develop uh, that side of your business, and then you can, over time, teach me transactional real estate. So in 2002, this is the websites are really just starting to ramp up. I know there were some early, really ugly front page things in the late 90s, but by Early 2000s, all of a sudden, they're starting to have a new kind of a look and feel. So you're right there on kind of the ground floor of that when you got into real estate. Right. And I had been very aware of websites. One of my best friends in Magic was a Dreamweaver guy. So he had taught right. me Dreamweaver back in, I think I built my first site in 89, 91, right in that wow. range. Okay. It was a pretty bad site when I looked back at it. <laughs> and I had developed probably six websites before I got into real estate. And at one point in my sales career, for one year, I'd worked as a computer tech. So I had a pretty good DOS background, and you know and that kind of moved into Apple for a while until I got into real estate. And uh, Mac products and real estate didn't talk very well. Not so in the I beginning. Move back, right. <laughs> yep. so I moved over back over to the Windows side of, of the world. So when did you kind of get your first touch in that social world. I know for me, it, Active Rain was kind of my gateway drug, but this is pretty late for me. I was around 08. And I'm guessing it was earlier for you. 
about when you ran into blogging or some of these other things. Am I right? Yep, it was. When when was the first bar camp? I'm trying to remember. Might have been 05 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think I missed the first one and was at the second. I met Jay, I met Nick, I met you know, the guys. And listening to Jay intrigued me. I went, what is this? And blogging, you know, I, I kind of hate the term blogging because it, it, there's a, a mystique around it and people are afraid when you hear blogging. Ooh, I can't do that. So I, I always like to say article writing. Well, so I'd heard that and I was starting to see a real shift in, in the effectiveness of, of our marketing. I had been Buffini trained, got coached uh, through his system for three years, had a very good traditional marketing campaign going. And when the market crashed and people were losing their homes and the short sale market started to ramp up, people stopped calling us. They stopped emailing us. And part of it was the change in the market, but I uh, my take on it was that there was a lot of shame out there. People weren't talking to their wives saying, honey, we're going to lose our house. They weren't talking to their parents. They weren't talking to coworkers. So how could you get a referral? If they're not talking, we're not going to see a referral. Right. And that's where social media, to me, became a little bit of a shield where these people could go up and feel comfortable talking to somebody because it wasn't a friend, it wasn't a relative, it wasn't even a face. And in that, I could develop a conversation that wouldn't uh, be so threatening to these people. And you had success developing relationships that turned into trans transactions by, by using that model. Right. And I did another thing, especially, I think, for newer agents. Now, I've been in the business then about, about eight years, but that's still a new agent. Right? And that's, to me, real estate takes a, a long time to really understand the nuance. So by blogging, what I learned was two things. I wrote articles about the various documents that we use, and in that I became knowledgeable. Like when the short sale addendum came out, no one knew what that was, and there were you know, some sessions on it. But by writing an article, going to my broker, going to people and saying, tell me what you think about this addendum, I learned it. And I think a lot of agents are missing the boat by not writing articles because by doing so, you do two really important things. You gain knowledge, which makes you a much more effective agent or broker. The second thing is by posting them on a blog or a website, even on a Facebook page, LinkedIn, you then start gaining credibility to the outside audience saying, hey, this guy knows something about this. I think that in, in the model that Jay kind of promotes, and you know, you know Jay very well, that it's not all about trying to get ranked for this neighborhood or this thing, that there's so many ancillary pieces to the puzzle that can be part of this online strategy that lots of people are looking for the answers to. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, and that's was my approach. I Well, I started taking down notes when people would email us or call us or if I was talking to other agents and hearing them talk about what questions are coming in the door. And those became my blog posts. I figured if people are out there asking those questions, those are probably the keywords they're putting into Google to try and get an answer. Right. So I want to be the guy answering that. You took that to another place. I know as you got further, that's how you got your start, and that, and that was a great place to go. 
But as you moved farther down the path with UrbanTeamAZ.com and some of the other stuff you played with, you definitely became really involved in trying to optimize for specific neighborhoods. I know the historical district and the downtown districts were a big part of what you and Ron did. So talk to talk about that transition a little bit. The actual downtown site was Urban Connection Realty. Uh, Urban Team is Ron's site more than mine. Okay. And I love downtown. I think partially because of my educational background in urban planning. I saw Light Rail coming downtown. I saw ASU coming downtown. We were in a depressed market. And it was like, okay, we're going to see a huge uptick in downtown interest, real estate. Let me go down there and work. So I bought a URL from an agent that was retiring, and it was Urban Connection Realty, which was perfect because it was urban. Right. It had been around since 2001, so from a, a Google standpoint, Google likes URLs that have are built out and have been there for a while. It tells them that they're not fly-by-night uh, spammers. So I purchased that and started focusing on a very tight niche market just basically from 16th Street to 15th Avenue uh, from Washington to Camelback and really dug deep in there. I think it was Bar Camp where I ran into a guy, and you probably know his name. I think he's out of Thousand Oaks, and he had on his blog a, a 100 Things to Do in Thousand Oaks. And I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. I think I could do that. So I started posting into that frame. And what came out of it is what I call my shotgun approach to marketing. I don't know because I sold the site to uh, another team when I left Phoenix. But before I left, I was outranking TripAdvisor for what to do in downtown Phoenix, things wow. to do in downtown Phoenix. So I was getting about 200 visits a day to the site just on that. Had a lot of sidebar advertising built into it, and of course I had it every about third section in that that site area best realtor to use when buying a home in Phoenix. The urban <laughs> team. <laughs> Perfect. So we tossed our <laughs> we tossed our brand inside there so that as people were going down to see what's the best restaurant, what's the best shopping, they would uh, see our name periodically. And obviously that generated uh, leads, which were a little on the warmer side than a traditional just name and email address because they saw you as this expert on the area and they would you know, maybe contact you to get some answers and that could lead obviously to transactions and referrals. Right. And then the site itself, I had articles pretty in-depth articles about each of the historic districts. And again, to emphasize, it was educational. I didn't know downtown Phoenix that well. There are a number of agents down there that had worked their entire career in that niche market. Well, how am I going to compete against them? I need to be close to as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than them. So by going to the library, going to downtown Phoenix city offices looking at historic preservation and reading about the development of each of these historic districts and who the players were in the 1920s and 30s and 40s, I learned that market. And I wrote fairly, you know, like I say, in-depth, added an IDX feed to those so that people could see what was available in each of those. I did the same thing with every condo development in downtown Phoenix, at least all the majors. And again, it, it taught me what is downtown Phoenix? 
which made you a better realtor. Exactly. Yeah. I think we sometimes focus so much on the marketing that we forget the product. You know, when we when we first enter real estate, I kind of like to put the anal analogy that we're buying a franchise. So let's say we bought a Subway franchise. They would teach us about the product, and they would teach us how to make it and then how to do all the elements of it. On real estate, we come in here really not knowing anything. Right. So how do we gain that knowledge right. so that we actually do good transactional real estate? You know, I listen to you, and it really is the, the, the learning part that you keep talking about, trying to get better. Trying, you're a student of, of these places that you are going to hopefully be transacting in. And, you know, you, and we've had many conversations where you would share an idea. You know, I remember when you started talking about what you're doing with video and these other ways that, you know, that would capture more people that were looking for things and get them to where you wanted them to go. And it, it, it kind of seems like me that it's, it's that magician in you that's, you know, using these, these online tricks to persuade people to believe something you want them to believe. I mean, it really kind of ties back to magic in a way, doesn't it? It really does. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I have a library of 1,800 volumes. I probably have 600 volumes just on card magic. And as you're learning to be a magician, you have to study every single element of the mechanics of card magic. And then once you understand the mechanics, you move into the psychology of all magic. So we really have to, as magicians, know our work before we ever try and market it. That's great. I, I, uh, it'll be fun to see how that analogy plays out. I, I, I think that's, um, that's kind of fun to talk about. It is. I, I, you know, and, and I'm glad today you know, we have things like what lab code agents. I see that as a Facebook uh, yeah. mm -hmm. group. And in there, you know, people are sharing these ideas that aren't being taught at the school level. And I think that's really helpful for new agents, even seasoned agents, to get in there uh, to learn, you know, the ins and outs of a binzer. Um, and it can be a little confusing because I know when I first joined the group, I didn't think about the fact that it was a national forum, and people were saying things. I'm like, well, you can't do that in Arizona. <laughs> right. Got to be careful. <laughs> so. The people I've interviewed, I know you held a management position with realty executives. You kind of the I call it dreamy draw office, but the up on 16th Street, you were the right. manager of that branch, and so you with only 12 years in the business and a lot less than that probably when you were given that position. Uh, obviously, they recognized that you understood the sales process and what was going to happen in there. But what were some of the you know what were your biggest challenges in that role? You know, especially probably because you weren't, you didn't have the 20 or 30 years that a lot of people in those roles have. That's true. Uh, luckily, I was uh, working with my brother in that position, so we could work together, and he could bring that knowledge base because he has, what, 24 years in the business. Okay. And I could bring in the theater of running sales meetings, doing training on the marketing side. The The big challenge, though, is you, you were around in 2007-8 so you know we're you know realty execs through a lot of trouble right then yeah there's lawsuits going on and and different things this is uh, before uh, Jeff Murtaugh bought the franchise and we had so many things going on we had the brand that had been an impeccable brand throughout 
you know, decades since Dale started it. All of a sudden, it was being just shot at. It was being shot at by the media. It was being shot at by other brokers. So we had this, like, uh-oh, our brand is being damaged. And then the market's collapsing. <laughs> and there's this huge shift from traditional marketing to online, social media. So there was so much, like, being fired at us. It was, it was crazy. A lot of our job was motivating people to realize the true brand is you. The brokerage that you are with is very important, I think, yet at a core level, people hire the uh, agent, the broker that they, that they like, that they trust, they feel comfortable with. Brokerage is important from a support point of view and definitely has some sort of branding to it, but you're right, when it really comes down to it, I'm dealing with somebody I have a relationship with who I like and trust. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in my case, we were dealing with an agent pool a young agent at Realty Executives has 18 years in the business. They had agents uh, with over 35 years in the business. Trying to get them to understand this change in marketing philosophy. So what is Facebook? What is blogging? What is LinkedIn? And that you need to put profiles on your Realtor.com page. You need to put profiles on Zillow and Trulia. And this whole thing was brand new and trying to get that across to a non-computer-oriented agent pool was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think I was in that office a couple of times with you, maybe talking about that. It, I'll call it interesting as well. So I want to circle back to the to really what you were your article writing skills and your um, computer and technology and digital skills. And I'm going to ask this question that I've asked a couple of times throughout the podcast series. Is it too late for someone today to get into that organic lead generation game through blogging or article writing, whatever we want to call it? Is it too late or is it still opportunities? I think that's a geographical question. In Phoenix, it's going to be pretty tough to rank because you have these people who have been in playing this for a long time. And they're, they're going to be hard to knock down. But I noticed when I moved to Santa Barbara and I'm looking – you know, when I get back from Thailand, I'm looking at doing some training. There are a lot of holes from the SEO side and from the search engine or organic search. I'm, I'm seeing so many holes in this market that could be filled by somebody. It's like, oh, boy. <laughs> be great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. Phoenix, I think, was kind of an early adopter. Um, and mm -hmm. we've got people, much like yourself, who have been for somewhere, somewhere over 10 years of you know, actively adding content and, and creating these draws, you know, that, that help them get found. And then if you don't understand SEO, that's going to be a huge problem. I was lucky we had a, I'm not sure if it's still going on, there was a meetup group I found for SEO, and I started attending that, and then I started taking a lot of extra classwork, going online, studying SEO. And that made a huge difference because you can have great content, but if you haven't structured it for Google bots to find, it's just going to be great content. So for the realtor out there that might be listening that's buried in transactions because that's really kind of their focus, do you have a suggestion for them to, is there, do they get help on the technology side? Do they carve out a little piece of time to maybe just start something small with some kind of a, a easy to get. I, I look at Playster as an example today. It's a really simple way to get a WordPress site up and going. Very inexpensive that you can add content to. 
but it's not going to be what you know Urban Realty Connection was. So, is there? Do you have a, some little piece of advice for that person? Pretty much every agent would benefit by article writing, having a a site that you know allows you to post, because the leverage factor of it is what I found to be most intriguing. We had put together a, a an e newsletter. I was using Constant Contact. I liked that, especially early as an early adopter of that. People tend to trust Constant Contact, so they won't automatically delete it from an email. Um, so I, I used that. I would write my articles for the site, and then I would link them from my e-newsletter. So the content was on the site. The information I wanted to get to clients was on the site, but then I would leverage it into my newsletter, and then I could leverage it into a Facebook post. I could leverage it into a LinkedIn post. I could leverage it into a tweet. So now I'm getting a piece of content that adds value to my website, which I consider to be a brochure these days for most agents because they're not going to get organically found. But when they point a client to their website and say, hey, go check me out, or if they have it in the uh, signature line on their email, and people happen to pop in or they tie it into their business page on Facebook. There's content and then you're leveraging that so now it becomes very valuable. There's still a lot of people, Gene, that are out there telling agents, oh, it's real simple to get found online. And I really I struggle with that. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. Well, you know, they're selling SEO and they're, you know, I don't know, probably 500 phone calls and emails in the six months before I retired, saying, well, we're going to get you, you know, first page Google. And if I had the time, I would get back to them and say, for what? <laughs> and they would say, for real estate. I go, you're going to get me first page for real estate in Phoenix? And they go, yes, we can do that. And I go, but I don't want real estate in Phoenix. Do you know how big Phoenix is? I don't want that whole thing because that's going to take me, if it's really only Phoenix, it's still going to take me from Ahwatukee to Anthem. And I have a niche practice. I don't want to drive that far. Right. Right. So, and maybe they can get you there for a day or two, but yeah, it's 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 a con. I like that response. Appreciate your time here. We've been on the on on this for about a half hour, so I really appreciate your, appreciate your time. I know it's tough to go indoors in Santa Barbara in October, so thanks for doing that. Uh, if you <laughs> if you could give an agent, this is the same question I've asked everybody in all the podcasts, so I know you've listened to a few, you know what's coming. If you could give an agent one piece of advice, one piece that would help them further their career, what would it be? I would say, especially for newer agents, if you're in the business for, let's say, three years and under, know your contract, know all your addendums, understand that aspect because that's how you protect your clients. That's how you become of service to them. I'm kind of a long-range thinker, so I want to provide exceptional service which comes through knowledge. And in the long run, I'm going to get the clients because they're going to tell their friends, oh, your agent let you do that? Oh, my agent never would have. So by being that go-to person that has gained a lot of trust, then all your other marketing efforts will have value. That's awesome. Gene, thank you for sharing this time with us here on the Real Estate Sessions. 
have a great time in Thailand. I'm positive we're going to be following you online, correct? With Absolutely. Lots yeah. of great imagery, hopefully a couple of videos and, and everything you're doing over there. I uh, wish you the best of luck and success over there. I can't wait to hear about it. And when you get back, I swear I'm coming out to Santa Barbara to hang out with you for a couple of days. Okay. I'll find someone for you to golf with since I don't golf. Sandpiper's just up the road. I know it very well. So. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Gene, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Episode 12 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Remember, we publish new episodes every Tuesday morning. And if you've got any suggestions for people you'd like to hear on the show, please email them to me at billrister at gmail.com. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.